Strokeside Designs is a New York-based fine jewelry company focused on water sports. This is the best jewelry I have found through many years of searching. I love my Dragon Boat Paddle Heart earrings and my pendant. The jewelers at Strokeside Designs have worked for famous jewelry houses such as Tiffany & Company and Cartier. All of the pieces are hand-finished from fine materials. Express your passion for kayaking, canoeing, and dragon boating. Visit PaddleJewelry.com and get free shipping with the code PINK. That is PaddleJewelry.com and enter the code PINK. Are you a dragon boat athlete? Have you ever thought about joining a team? Hornet Water Sports makes high-performance, lightweight, carbon fiber dragon boat paddles. You can choose from one of their many graphic designs. Don't settle for just a boring black paddle. I love their design so much that I have four different paddles. They also have all of the dragon boat accessories that you need, paddle bags, tip covers, tape, and more. Visit their website at hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK at checkout to receive 10% off of your order. That's hornetwatersports.com and enter the code PINK. Thanks for downloading. On today's episode, Karen Rowley from Orange County, California, shared her survivor story. She is a 22-year breast cancer survivor diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma. She shared how she found her lump, her experience with several lumpectomies that eventually led to a single mastectomy, the decision to go flat, and becoming a live model for mastectomy fitters almost immediately after her diagnosis. Karen's story is sure to inspire you. Welcome to Behind the Pink Ribbon, where we share stories, information, and other content related to breast cancer. My name is Melissa Adams. I am a 12-year genetic breast cancer survivor. I've learned so much through my own journey with breast cancer. I have met some amazing people along the way, many that have become lifelong friends. I have experienced the emotional roller coaster of a breast cancer diagnosis, heartache, anger, frustration, loneliness, and even gratitude. Through this podcast, we will speak to breast cancer survivors, supporters, and healthcare professionals to gain insight and understanding behind the pink ribbon. I am here today with Karen Rowley. She is a 22-year breast cancer survivor. She was diagnosed in November of 1998 at the age of 45 with invasive ductal carcinoma, and she comes from Orange County, California. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. I really appreciate it. We are so excited to hear your story. Um, so tell me a little bit about, you know, um, at the age of 45, if you were having a mammogram or how you kind of found out that you had breast cancer. What happened? What what? Where was the start of this? Well, I actually had a mammogram in April of that year, or the, actually of 97, and it came back negative. I had very dense uh, breast tissue. And in November, just before Thanksgiving, I was getting in the shower, and I happened to put my hands under my breast. I was at kind of that time of month when you're not supposed to check. And I felt this, this bump, this lump. And I thought, well, that's weird. And it, it, was, it was a little bit tender, but I think that was because it was that time of month. And um, I went in and decided, of course, that I should have it checked out. I found out. So that, was it um, was it big or was it small? Like what did what did that? It lump, was big. It was big. It mine was three centimeters. Okay, so that's so like was, a walnut. Yeah. Okay. 
I like the... So uh, it, it had been there a while. It okay. was growing. Yeah. I like the reference so people can visualize, oh. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like it like helped me when they... When, yeah. Yeah. It's like a walnut. Okay. And so um, you immediately... They, did you... I mean, were you concerned? Like, did you immediately oh. think, oh, this might be something? Well, but yeah. I, okay. um, but but then the other part of me, you know, you go into denial and it's like, well, I had very... I was small busted. I'm fairly petite. And I thought, well, you know, if I had this, I would know. And I kind of did the denial. But I am also very proactive with my health. And so I did make the appointment. I got in between um, Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving holiday, that that Friday in between. And that's when my I got my diagnosis that um, it was definitely, you know, it was I had what I let me back up. I had a surgical biopsy. And because that's what they did back then. And the surgical biopsy showed that it was breast cancer. Um, so did and they I moved put forward. you, so for that surgical biopsy, did they put you under for that? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, I also had like a, a palpaloma on one of my nipples. It, it was leaking. Um, the same nipple was leaking. Um, and I don't know if that would have been something else that would have been diagnosed differently nowadays as it was 22 years ago. Um, and so they did some surgery under my nipple, which was extremely painful. And um, they checked my lump, my uh, lymph nodes, and I didn't have. I was fortunate. They said it was aggressive, which was interesting. I I still don't completely understand because I had no lymph node involvement. So I was very fortunate with that. Um, but because the tumor had, or the mass had grown so quickly and so large, and did not show on the mammogram, that was the concern. Right. So did they send you at all for an ultrasound? Yes. Okay. I had an ultrasound and I I had a terrible irrational fear of being put out. Our daughter was 6 years old, our son was 16, and I was terrified of being put out. I was sure I would die from from the surgery, from Aww. the anesthesia. So we postponed it until after the holidays. I I postponed any surgeries until January. Uh, it was actually January of ninety eight that this all took place. It was in ninety seven. I think I was diagnosed. Okay. And um, so at that time, then we moved forward, and I had two lumpectomies. Neither time did we get clear margins. Both times, I was told. Oh, you know, you it's it's you know we still have microinvasive uh, cancer cells. So at a is, three centimeter mass. So you said that you were small busted, mm-hmm. and a three centimeter mass. I mean, I, I still you know a walnut's not huge, but yeah. it's that's and it's a deep. pretty big. And it's yeah, deep. and they yeah. still recommended lumpectomy. At that point, he felt he could save my breast, and it was chief of staff um, at the hospital where I had it done. Chief of surgery, and um, of course, by the time they did the first the first lumpectomy, my breast was extremely deformed. And then the second time, you know, it was even worse. And these surge, I had I had uh, four surgeries in twelve weeks. So what? So like, well, <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to yeah. wrap my head around why after the first <laughs> lump- lumpectomy there would be a recommendation for a second because you really don't have that much tissue to continue to no. work with. No, I didn't. And um, I'm not sure what their thinking was. But, you know, when you're in that moment and you just go, I mean, I, I was so terrified with young children 
and my husband, uh, it was like you just followed whatever they told you. Oh, of course. I, mean, I think things were, you know, you're, we weren't as well educated at that time as people are now. Now there's, it's in the news media and people are aware of all the different options. And there weren't those ma- that many um, options given out at that time. It was okay. sort of like you did what you were told to do. Right. And so did you ultimately end up having to do a mastectomy? I did. The end of Jan- or was it end of February, I had a right side mastectomy. And that was a sad story because the um, after the second lumpectomy, then when I went in for that follow-up visit, my husband, it was the only time he didn't go with me. And I said, you know, there's no reason to go with me, honey, because, you know, if there's no way there's going to be a third time. I mean, there just isn't. You know, they've got it. They, they definitely got it this time. And so he wasn't able to go. But my friend who was a an ER nurse went with me. And we got there. And um, the doctor came in. And, of course, they're always, they always act like everything's normal for, like, three seconds. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, and then they hit you with it. And, and I literally fell on the ground. There were guttural sounds that came out of my, my voice that I could not reproduce if I tried. I curled up on the floor. And I remember him saying, oh, you're handling this so well, you're not going to denial. And I think I hit him. Oh, gosh. I, I smacked him. Well... <laughs> It was like, really? Yeah, I was, I was livid. And um, I got up and I was sobbing and sobbing. And luckily, my friend, Marsha, heard everything that I had to say and everything he had to say and took all these wonderful notes and was just my, my, my support person and just magical. So then we're driving home. She took me back to her house for a glass of wine or two, which we needed. And my daughter called and told us that the new puppy that we had, that she'd had for about a month, uh, was convulsing. Somehow there was, um, we have an alley behind us and we think someone threw something over. Mm. And so I had to pull into adult mode again and take the dog in and the dog passed. So it was, it was a very traumatic, I mean, just, you know, trauma multiplied. It was, yeah. you know, cumulative, cumulative. So... Um, but the mastectomy, like I said, was successful. I'm flat on one side, my right side. Okay, um, so you did not opt I, for reconstruction? I didn't. Okay. I went I went the first time to look into it, and they wanted to do a tram. One doctor wanted to do a tram flap. The other two doctors, because, of course, I got three um, estimates, as I call them, on my body work. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that doctor, those two doctors said, you're not going to be happy. You have a very prominent nipple on your left side. We're not going to be able to match. You are going to have uh, scarring, and you are a type A person, which I am, and you're going to want it to be perfect, which I do, so you're not going to be happy. So at 45, I didn't. At 50, I went back, and I saw three different doctors. I got the exact same three diagnoses. One wanted to do a tram flap, which I refused to do, and the other two wanted to, you know, said basically the same thing. At 55, I did it again. And still three days. So, so had they ever six, offered six doctors? Yeah, had they ever offered implants? I mean, was that yes. something that you could talk about? That was about? the other. That's what the other two doctors were discussing. Okay. Got it. But they said I wouldn't. And now um, I have so many friends that are explanting because of of problems. Sure. Uh, one just had hers attached to five of her ribs, and she's had implants for seven years. Wow. So I'm relieved I didn't, and it's been a blessing for me in many ways. 
Um, I'm a topless model. I'm 67 years old. Well, first of all, that was not what I was expecting. I was going to say something, and not. I think my my mouth just dropped. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, go ahead. No, that's great. I mean, good for you. Listen, I mean, I am all for it. If you want to show the world, show the world. No, um, I don't show the world. I don't. No? Okay. Um, well, you said I'm you were a topless, topless model, model, so. Well, I am for Nordstrom. Okay. For Nordstrom and four other companies that um, – make breast forms and mastectomy bras and mastectomy products. Oh, wow. And they use me as a trainer, well, as a, a live model for their uh, fitters to practice on oh. and to learn what to say and what not to say. So oh. I'm not out there in the public. Okay. <laughs> not at all. Definitely okay. not. That's very <laughs> well, private. Look, I mean, if you wanted to, I would not you know, say a word uh, no, about No, I it. have no desire, especially <laughs> at 67. Things change. Um, but for 20 years, I've had the privilege of being able to give back. And that's, that's amazing. That's my one little way of giving back. Yeah. Well, you know, I was going to say, you know, here at 22 years ago, I mean, you really were kind of a trailblazer in this because, you know, there were not many women who were going flat. I mean, that really has no come about. Everyone did reconstruction. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, you really were a trailblazer in that. And, you know, I, I love the fact that women now are becoming more educated on all of the options that it's not, you don't have to do, you know, any of the flap procedures. You don't have to do implants. You don't have to do a hybrid you could go flat if you want. Um, yeah, so I can I, still do a left side if I choose. So far, she's. I, I keep. We we have a sense of humor. My husband and I. We joked about getting rid of the evil twin, and I'm a little off balanced. And thanks for the mammary. And you had to get yeah. something off your chest. <laughs> <laughs> His sense of humor got me through this. I'm um, sure. And I could. I could still. But um, so far, she's behaved. So she's okay. Okay. But, so you keep her um, around. I'll keep her for now. Okay. Um, and I didn't at that time. I almost did a double at that time. But uh, because of my age and because, to be very honest, uh, sexually active with my husband, which I still am, but, you know, then it was even more so, uh, I didn't want to lose that, that sensation. Yeah. What I've learned is that when you do go flat, at least in my case, that sensation comes back. And your mind takes over. I and I still feel a nipple. I still feel my breast tissue as huh. if it were there in many ways. And I know it's psychological, but it's also and it's also been twenty two years. But you learn to compensate with for that. Right. Um, and I think a lot of that's attitude. Ninety percent of that is attitude. Yeah, I feel like I'm almost thirteen years out. Mine are still congratulations. Super numb. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have any feeling in there. I, my husband will poke me at times, and then I'm like, oh, okay, didn't notice. <laughs> and I do have numbness behind cool. my arm, you know, like behind, right. or behind my shoulder, my, uh, where my bra, the back of my bra is, is still numb. Okay. Yeah. So, and, I, and maybe there's not a lot of feeling. Maybe it's just my imagination because I chose, you know, to think that way. I, who knows? Right. Yeah. I mean, whatever right, it is, you know. it's working. It is. It it is working for me. Yeah. So did you end up doing any kind of chemotherapy or radiation? Yes. Okay. I did chemotherapy. I did six courses of CMF, which I don't remember what it stands for because it's been so long. It was a light chemo and it was like an insurance policy. It's the way they presented it to me back then. Um, It was like, you know, 
we think you, you had a mastectomy. You probably don't need this, but we are considering offering it to you um, because you did have the microinvasion of cancer cells, you know, the two other times. And all I could think of was, you know what, if there's cancer anywhere in my body, then I need to take care of that because I still have young children and I still have a long, I hopefully have a long life ahead of myself. Sure. So I chose to do it. Um, I didn't have to have radiation. I've had a lot of side effects from chemo and I don't know if I knew then what I know now, if I would do it. Um, because I've had, I have, uh, I'm a queen. I have 10 crowns in my mouth. So, <laughs> so you have, you have to find that sense of humor. You know, yeah, I've had osteoporosis, um, the memory loss, all many of the side effects from chemo. Uh, on the other hand, if I hadn't had it, I don't know what might've happened. Maybe my outcomes would have been very different. Sure. Yeah. And that's the hard part, you know, is that you don't, we it's don't a, it's have a crapshoot. Yeah. We don't have a, a crystal ball that's going to tell us, you know, one way or the other, what the best thing to do is. You just have to kind of take it, you know, take the information as it comes and as well as you're able to process it, um, you know, make those decisions, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of times we're usually in a mode of just tell me what I have to do rather yes. than being able to make um, quality decisions or good decisions. You know, we can all look back and say, well, I, you know, I wish I would have done this or I wish I would have done that. But in that moment, I mean, we just do the best that we can with what we have. And that's, and that's exactly where I was. And because I did have the mastectomy, I did not have to do radiation. And I chose not to do any type of hormone therapy. My, uh, my cancer, I forget the proper term, and I'm sure you can help me with that, is estrogen positive. Okay. So um, I'm very careful I don't eat soy. I'm very careful that, you know, I never, I didn't want to take, and even the, the blockers, my attitude was I was so tired of treatment and so tired of surgery and um, and everything happening so fast in a 12-week period, and then the, the six courses of chemo after, but, you know, four surgeries in 12 weeks, that's a lot. Seemed very daunting. Yeah, yes. it was a lot. And I just didn't want to do anymore. I was like, no, no. I didn't want any hormones. I was afraid of hormones, even if they were supposed to be good hormones. I didn't want to gain weight. I did gain weight with chemo for some reason. I've lost it now. I'm down to like 112 pounds, so I'm fine. But at that time, I, I was going up to like 135, 140, and I, I didn't want to gain any more weight. I'm 5'1". Okay. So... That, that kind of puts it in perspective. I'm and uh, small boned. Yeah. So and I didn't want to. I didn't want any more. I didn't want anything artificial. You know, the same with the implants and everything. It was like, no, I just want to be me. Sure. So, and it, for me, it's been fine. Good. I've had no no side effects from you know as, from not doing so. Good. Well, and so, did you have a family history of breast cancer, or did this just kind of come out of left field? I'm adopted. Okay. I have no family history of any type. Um, I, I don't know anything about my biological family. So that was the other reason I chose chemo and um, probably made some of the choices I did because I didn't have a family. Now, I have done genetic testing since then. I was going to ask if they had ever offered yeah. genetic testing they to you. They did okay. probably maybe 12 years ago. Um, and the BRCA, I, I just did BRCA1 and BRCA2, and, and they both came back negative. Okay. So I'm assuming it was environmental. I worked um, at UC Irvine, and I would drive through 
the agricultural fields to get to work. And there was a lot of um, pesticide spraying going yeah. on at that those days. Um, and I also think that stress. I it was a very stressful job. Um, things in my life were very stressful at that time. And so I'm assuming that the combination of the two probably contributed. Right. But who knows? I'll never know. Right. Well, and I, um, you know, I hope I hope you don't mind me asking. Um, no, ask anything. But I please. would, <laughs> I would assume that you know it it's might have its own challenge with being adopted and not knowing your family mm-hmm. history. Very much. And I've done the ancestry.com and no luck so far. Some close matches, but nothing concrete. <laughs> and it, you know, and you do always wonder, and you think in in California our records are sealed, so you can't petition to have your records open even with breast cancer. Really? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's I. I, I know, feel like it's there ridiculous. might be. Yeah, I feel like there might be some certain circumstances where, you know, maybe you don't give the names of the biological parents, but at least if there's a known family history of a significant disease like this. That they would say, oh, yeah, you know, biological mom or grandma or dad or whomever, whatever. And I don't think there was one. Uh, My birth mother was 21 years old, and so she was quite young. And the records that she gave, I don't even know how factual the information was. Uh, So you have to still take some of that with a grain of salt and realize that, you know, I was born in 1952, Back then, things were done very differently with adoptions as well. Sure. So I just look at it as, well, it's the way it is. I, you do, like you had said earlier, you do the best with the information you have. Yeah. And you move forward as best you can. Well, I mean, it sounds like you have for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I've tried. Yeah. And, and, and my goal in life is just to positively impact others and to, to hopefully give hope and encouragement um, and support to others going through this because it's it's not an easy journey. I don't care where you are in it or what your journey is. It's all very frightening and, and challenging. And, um, you know, having someone that you can, you know, reach out to or having someone that you know has gone through it and had some success gives hope. And, and if that's the only thing I can do in my life, then that then I'm fulfilling what I want to do. I love that. Well, and I think it's, you know, exactly what you said where – you know, um, 22 years out is huge or, you know, coming up on, yeah, I mean, that is, that is a huge milestone. And, you know, when you're kind of thrusted into this at the beginning of it, you know, you don't know which way to turn, everything is kind of spinning around you. And, you know, it's, the information hasn't always been there in terms of, oh, you know, we have people who are 22-year survivors. We have people who yeah. are 10-year survivors, you know, and being able to kind of connect that. And, um, you know, so, I, like, you really have been one of those people that really has kind of led the way for so many different things. And I Thank heard you. you say that for 20 years you've been doing this modeling with Nordstrom. Is that correct? Yes. So two years with a mo- out from There's this. a company called Amona and Nordstrom, and with both of them, I've been a model for six months out of my surgery. They contact. I was contacted by my nurse, and she asked, "Would you like to be a topless model?" Would you? She didn't put it that way. Would you <laughs> I was like? Say. I would have said no. I would have said no. <laughs> would you like to? Would you like to consider being a model for breast cancer? And I said sure. And my first time I did it, I didn't realize some of these women had never seen a mastectomy patient. They'd never seen the scar. 
They'd never seen a flat chest ever. They were, you know, they'd never been exposed. This is their first experience as new fitters. And I remember a beautiful lady coming up to me, putting her face right in my chest, which was a little invasive. Um, And I'm standing there topless with one breast, you know, perking out and the other side flat with a, a, a scar on it. And, uh, and she says, oh, my God, it's not as bad as I thought. You have a great scar. I've never seen a breast cancer survivor before. I almost fainted because I just assumed everyone had had some experience with this. Right. And I remember taking two deep breaths and telling myself, you're an actress right now. You're acting in a role. And that's how I got through the first, the first few times was telling myself that I was acting and this wasn't really real and it wasn't me <laughs> and I was playing a part. So it wasn't easy. It was scary. I would imagine and it was that it vulnerable. Would be. Yeah. I mean, now it doesn't bother me. Now I get up there and say, where's the music? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I could imagine, um, you know, I mean, again, all of our stories are so different and where each of us is in that space yes, is also very different. The comfort zone yeah, is different exactly. for everybody. It um, is. You know, I mean, it it took me so long to get to the point where, you know, even with the doctors that I would just Mm -hmm. willingly open up my my gown to show them. Um, So I would imagine it would be quite unnerving to be there. You know, you say that you say that, Melissa, and it's funny because my husband, um, right after the surgery, I for two weeks I wouldn't let him see me. Yeah, I wouldn't let him see my scar, and I was in the shower. And, um, and he's a, he's very supportive. I mean, we've been married 43 years coming on 44 in May, <laughs> a lifetime for a lot of people listening, I'm yes. sure. And he walked up to the, the shower door. He threw it open. He says, there, I've seen you. I didn't marry you for your breast. Aww. Or I think he said boob. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that was that. And it was like, get over it. I don't care. You know, um, I, I love you for who you are. And, uh, and I know that's not everyone's story, but that right. was mine. And, and I'm very, very blessed, very lucky, very, very happy to to have someone like that in my life. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's important. And, um, you know, like you said, it's, it is not everybody's story. And, you know, sadly, no. I do hear different stories with different outcomes. Me too. And, yeah. You know, I, um, you know, I, I just hope that those people that have different outcomes can find somebody that can truly just just appreciate them for who they are. Um, and the other thing is appreciating yourself for who you are oh and realizing gosh. that your breast doesn't define who you are. Right. That doesn't define anything about you. It's a, it's a, a blob of fat that has one purpose technically, or maybe two. And, <laughs> um, you know, and that's not what makes you who you are, whether you, whether you, explant, whether you have a double mastectomy, whether you have a single, whether you have a lumpectomy, whatever it is, that's, that doesn't change who you are as a person. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to say that that was the perfect note to end on. This has been (laughs) such a great time. I have so enjoyed my time with you, Karen. Um, Oh, the same here. Thank you. Yeah. And I really appreciate the fact that, you know, after 22 years, you have, you know, such a great outlook and you've been giving back in so many different ways and, um, you know, that you're still so highly involved in, you know, the, the, the world um, and giving back um, to other people that, you know, are either getting into this world, um, you know, or maybe even will walk this journey at another point in time. So thank you so much for taking thank the time. You. Yeah, taking the time out of your day and spending it with me. Well, thank you for inviting me. And 
uh, having me on the podcast. It's, it's very much an honor to be asked to do this. And, um, and the giving back is very healing, has been very healing for me. And doing something along this line is also still healing. So thank you for that opportunity. I very much appreciate it. You are so welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Pink Ribbon. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you or anyone you know would be interested in sharing your story, please send an email to podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com. Thinking about advertising on this podcast? Our ads not only create awareness for your brand, but also contribute to the continued growth and support of this show. Email us today and be on our next episode. Email podcast at behindthepinkribbon.com for more information. You've been listening to Behind the Pink Ribbon, produced by American Creative Consulting, mixed and mastered at Riverview Podcasting Studios. For more information, please visit designbyacc.com.